Plato's Cave is produced by Muckraker Media. You can find out more at muckrakermedia.org. Welcome to Plato's Cave. I'm Jordan Myers, and today we're going to take another step towards escaping the cave by speaking to Benjamin Burgess. Ben was on the show um, a while back with John Rosen, um, and we discussed the topics of free will and moral responsibility, which we talk about again in this episode. Ben, as you will hear, is a lecturer at Georgia State University and deals in um, many interesting topics. Um, He also uh, hosts a segment on The Michael Brooks Show and is a a speaker and writer about many interesting things in philosophy. So um, we spoke today over Skype, and our conversation uh, was really, really interesting. I I loved talking to Ben, um, even though we disagree about some things. It was a great talk, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So without further preamble, here is our conversation. Um, actually, uh, on that note, I don't know yeah. if, uh, if you're aware of this, but so I actually, um, cause when you and John, uh, came on previously, yeah. that was for, um, the podcast called that's BS, right? Okay. Um, and yep. actually in the, the last couple of weeks, I have started a new podcast, um, called Plato's cave, which ah. is basically just, um, I sort of separated <clears throat> the two aspects of, of that's BS between, um, you know, half of the episodes were kind of informal discussion-based shows with, um, like, college friends of mine, and then half of the episodes were strictly about, like, philosophical topics with, um, you know, professors and guests like you and John. Um, and so I've, like, a split, uh, officially split the shows, um, and I'm actually using Plato's Cave as sort of the ramp-up to my hopeful return to grad school for philosophy. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's going to be the spirit in which, uh, this episode is recorded. Um, so I didn't even realize this, but, um, I, well, I didn't realize it before we recorded, uh, the first episode, but you're a lecturer at Georgia state. Is that right? Yep. That's right. Yeah. And I, <laughs> what's crazy is I actually have been looking at that school, um, for the master's program. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the downtown campus. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a good, um, you know, like like I don't I don't teach at the at the campus where they do the master's program, but it's a good uh, it's a good program. I had a uh, I had a former student from else you know when I was teaching elsewhere uh, who went there, and there's a uh, and I also have a good friend who I went to grad school with who uh, who went there. Uh, so you know, I heard nothing but good things. Yeah, it, it seems <clears throat> just like a, a really really well put together program. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. And if you're if you're okay with it, at the end of the episode, um, I have a few rapid fire questions for you, sure. just sort of about philosophy as a profession in that yep. sense. Okay, cool. Um, but before we get to that, I think we should do the uh, the part two to uh, yeah. to, yeah. to our discussion with John. Yeah. Um, so I <clears throat> I guess that well, it's technically almost a part three because before was the part two to uh, the Iona podcast with you. Sure, too. sure, sure. Um, yep. But in the in the spirit of that, I don't want to I don't want to rehash the rehashing that we did <laughs> on that episode. Um, but uh, if you could, so we've already we've already said that you're a lecturer at Georgia State. Um, yep. But basically, if you could just give people like the uh, the the short form of your position on free will. Sure. Um, so on on the question. Uh, 
of of whether um, of whether we can like so the the sort of the the interesting question as I take it to be is whether um, is whether uh, we could have um, free will if we're living in a deterministic universe, which just means like one where um, given what's happened so far, there's, there's only one possible thing that could happen in the future. Uh, given what happened in the past, the present is, you know, the only possible, you know, total physical state of the universe, including all the human actions, of course, um, you know, including the physical states that are going on in people's brains. Uh, and so, um, uh, Basically, you know, broad, you know, broadly speaking, you could have, uh, you could be, you could say, uh, well, no, of course, if that were true, we wouldn't have free will. Uh, but you know, thank God it's not right. You know, mm. which, which, which gets you to, uh, what's called libertarianism has absolutely nothing to do with the political ideology of the same name, but you know, libertarianism about free will, mm. um, or, or you could say no, um, no, it's not. And, um, but, uh, no, it's not. And, and we do have some pretty good reason to worry that determinism or, or at least something pretty close to it is true. So, uh, I guess this free will thing, right. And, uh, and then, uh, my position, which is called compatibilism, uh, which is that even if, uh, even if determinism, uh, the sort of worst case scenario of determinism is true, you know, that the, that, uh, you know, given, you know, given past total physical states of the universe, current, you know, the current total physical state of the universe, including the brain states is the only one that could happen. Uh, but that that's still, even if that's true, that that's still, um, that's still consistent with the idea that there there's some interesting or important sense uh, in which we have free will. Mm -hmm. So, um, from from someone on the inside of philosophy, it's it seems like um, most lay intuitions sort uh -huh. of fall into a very libertarian schema. And I think, you know, the immediate sort of like freshman philosophy seminar, once they hear that, oh, we can actually scan people's brains with an fMRI, people tend to very drastically, well, either lock down into that position and say, no, it doesn't matter or something like that, or swing rapidly to the incompatibilist sense um, uh, where they where they deny that we have any sorts of free will. So how many how many professional philosophers would you say fall into the compatibilist camp? Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think compatibilism, you know, I, I don't know exactly, but I think, I think it's, it's, uh, it's wildly more popular among professional philosophers than among mm. anyone else. Uh, yeah. Right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is sort of begging the question almost, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause, cause it's, yeah. it's, uh, cause, cause I think that, um, there are, uh, that, that, there, that I think that there is there's something that's that like a lot of people have uh, have an initial you know initial reaction to it uh, that's like yeah come on right you know that's 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 like you know you're just playing with words or you're mm -hmm. you know or or that's not really you know that's not really what I mean or mm -hmm. or, um, or like uh, 
you know, that, that, that just can't possibly be right. Right. You know, that like, yeah. that, 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 that when I say free will, I mean that there's this like garden of forking paths there. Are these, you know, there are all these different things that might happen. Uh, and then which, which one of these possible futures is realized is really, really up to me. Right. In some profound sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we don't even get the first condition. Right, mm-hmm. if if mm-hmm. just is true, because there's because there's there are a bunch of possible futures. There's only one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you know I think a lot of people have that like kind of very strong intuitive reaction to that, and then I think maybe like thinking hard about it for a much longer amount of time, um, sometimes but not always overcomes that reaction, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. like it's, you know, but like it's it's not a um, uh, but but it's it, it would be very um, it would be very it would be very rare if somebody just like heard the position explained to them the first time and they're like oh, well that's obviously right right you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and frankly if, if they did I'd suspect they probably didn't quite did, didn't you know didn't quite yeah. the first time you know yeah, yeah. so uh, you don't think you're that persuasive <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it takes a little. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it takes a little bit more, um, you know, more doing, mm. um, you know, more more doing than that, right? You know, to mm-hmm. you know, to get people to to even kind of really take it seriously, much less sort of say, oh, on balance, you know, this is probably the the position that you know that makes the most sense. So, mm-hmm. um, and and even um, and even among you know professional philosophers, of course, you know, like there's there, there is. Um, you know, even though it some sort of compatibilism might be the majority position among people, you know, the people who spend the most time thinking about it or have the most, you know, at sake of it, I, I'm not even a hundred percent sure if that's true, right? You know, mm-hmm. but like, you know, um, you know, it's it's, um, but even if even if it is right. Um, the, you know, there's there's plenty of you know, there's plenty of resistance there too, and and one and one strategy that that I think uh, that's very popular in, in in recent decades for kind of overcoming some of that, right, mm-hmm. is to um, you know is to be kind of say that look, there's 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 there might be an important part of what we mean when we say free will that's that's not uh, compatible you know, with, with determinism. So, uh, like something, something I think that some philosophers, uh, you know, spend a lot of time, uh, worried about, you know, is, uh, is how much, how much of like traditional philosophical questions are, uh, are matters of people actually having inconsistent positions on like, you know, some on the substance of the issue and how much of it's just people talking past each other. Right. Mm. Uh, and, um, and, you know, and I think that, um, and, and I, th- I think the, the answer is probably very often a little bit of each, right. You know, and, yeah. and certainly, certainly in this case, you know, th- in this case it might be so like one, uh, so what a lot of compatibilists now says, look, um, you know, Maybe one thing that we very often mean when we say free will is freedom to do otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and 
of course there are there is a long tradition of compatibilists trying to give like compatibilist accounts of what it is to be free to do otherwise but i think that's what um you know that's what i think is going to probably meet the most intuitive resistance that's like mm-hmm. oh, on that's that's just not what i mean right you know uh like uh remember if if you uh read the uh web comic uh saturday morning breakfast cereal uh there's a um uh, there's there's one there that uh, that they did making fun of compatibilism where some uh, the mother tells tells her child uh, uh, I'm going to take you to see a real live dinosaur and it gets really excited and they go to the zoo and uh, or you know they go to the park and uh, and she points out a bird at a bird and says that technically that's yeah. a dinosaur right yeah <laughs> oh come on you knew what you knew that's what I thought you meant when I got this excited about it. Yep. And then there's a, uh, and then there's somebody who's like clearly a stand-in for the compatibilist philosopher Daniel Dennett. You know, he has the mm. big beard and everything. You know, who's like, you know, hey, I'm going to show you free will, right? You know, <laughs> same, yeah. you know, same yeah. thing, right? So, um, so say, okay, so like one thing we might mean is freedom to do otherwise, and but like maybe, you know, maybe like that's. Um, you know, maybe that that really that really is just um, you know just incompatible with determinism, or maybe there's a sense in this or in this or whatever. But like, we'll we'll give up fighting about that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but another thing that it could potentially mean is being in control of your actions in the right way to be responsible for those actions, and. Of course, if you're a incompatibilist, you probably think that those two are the same thing anyway, right? That like what it is to be in control of your actions, the right way to be responsible for them is to be free to do otherwise. But then there are a bunch of uh, there are a bunch of compatibilist arguments that are supposed to show that no, re- that um, those two can come apart. Right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you can you can have one without having the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like in that vein, because I remember a big portion of our previous conversation was all about this. um, You know, John was challenging you to resist the Dirk Paraboom slide um, that sort of um, conflates all deterministic causes. And, And you were pushing back primarily, you know, by saying that, you know, this you said this line over and over that because there's gray area in between these two extremes doesn't mean that we can't differentiate between the two extremes. Um, and so, cause I, I was listening to it actually yesterday morning again, the, the episode we did, and I, I have some notes that might help me understand your position a little bit better. So, so the, the first thing that we should clarify, and I think you alluded to this, um, is that neither one of us really in this conversation are waiting, um, sort of on, you know, uh, on call to hear what the neuroscientist or the physicist are going to say. Um, and it, it doesn't, it just simply, I mean, we know that, um, you know, the mind is what the brain is doing and we know that, you know, deterministic causes happen. We know that physics is real. Um, so, so the, the sense of free will that you're advocating for isn't, uh, somehow, you know, pushing against the fact that physics is real or that neuroscience is a legitimate science. Um, but the, so the question that I, I thought might elucidate your position the the most, was was this so um 
it, so, so you said in the previous conversation that you think the debate is about what interesting and meaningful sense of free will exists. So yeah. what I'm wondering then is if you have that same interest or if, or if sort of this is the, the, the key issue for you is what counts as a deterministic cause. So, oh, um, okay. you know, we, we, we got into this a little bit, like I said, with the Dirk Paraboom four case argument, um, and, and just, you know, for people who don't know, I don't remember it exactly, but it's sort of a slide between there's this perfect inagentic case um, or non-agentic case where there's an evil uh, neuroscientist controlling your actions. And, and you know, clearly um, you don't have any free will in that case. Uh, and then there's the other side of the spectrum, which, you know, I think we we spoke about and you elaborated a bit, which is, you know. There's this person who, for all intents and purposes, is free in the important sense, and and that is that they sort of are a, you know a, a reasonable a reasonable person. They don't have any sort of you know crucial brain abnormalities, no no you know physical detention. That sort of like what what we would assume is you know are you free to sign a legal contract in right, some right, sense? Right, right. Yeah. Right. Um. So and your argument is because you know gray area exists in between these two that 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 doesn't mean we should jettison the distinction. Right. And so here's what's interesting to me is, so I, I'm not sure that a gray area exists because mm -hmm. I'm sort of viewing all of these deterministic causes, whether it's your genes or your environment or the random radiation from the sun or more obtuse and more clear instances like a brain tumor um, mm -hmm. or physical detention in the same deterministic category. And you said before right. that, you know, a lot of a lot of debates are people talking past each other. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if actually the biggest uh, place of, you know, the, the meeting of the minds on this is what we're actually counting as a deterministic cause. Um, so that's something I, I put to you. Yeah. So I think that it's it's important to to remember um, what the what the purpose of Paraboom's argument is because because uh, you know this is supposed to be an argument uh, against the compatibilists mm -hmm. where the idea the idea is hey you know you compatibilists you say that um, you know you say that. Uh, that just having a deterministic cause, right, isn't enough to to mean you know to mean that we don't have have free will or free will in the sense that you're interested in you know maybe uh, you know that you're in control of your actions, responsible for them, and all that stuff. Uh, but um, but even you guys would admit that you know that if you had the you know, the wicked neuroscientist who's like intervening to mess with your brain chemistry to make sure you decided this, that that kind of deterministic cause, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Uh, would, would mean, um, would mean that we don't, uh, don't have, uh, don't have free will. Uh, and, and so, and so like, I think one way, of one way of understanding the point of the argument is say okay well well what's the uh, you know what's 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 the difference right mm -hmm. you know like 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 it can't um, you know because you know my paraboom would say right you know from paraboom's perspective my incompatibilist explanation of uh, what's wrong with all of these things is that they're uh, 
is that there's causes, right? You know, but that's that can't be, you know, that can't be your explanation, right? And then, um, and then so so then I think in the sort of next step, right, the compatibilist said, you know, gives gives their explanation the principal difference is supposed to be, right? You know, between the the wicked neuroscientists at one end and just less sort of like ordinary day-to-day causal determinism on the other end, right? Mm-hmm. That, they, that the person, somebody who, as you say, could, you know, could sign legal contracts, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, somebody who's just like going about and reasoning and acting in totally normal ways, uh, you know, but of course, given, you know, their environment and the way their brain has evolved and et cetera, uh, it's no more possible that they could have acted otherwise than the, um, than the person, the victim of the wicked neuroscientist, right? So what's, what's the difference? Uh, and so popular compatibilist answer I'd, I'd, I'd go with, um, you know, is, is to say that, um, that well, the difference is right. You know that the sort of conditions for having the kind of free will that we're interested in uh, would basically uh, be that um, reasons responsiveness. That you're mm-hmm. that you're in other words that you're you have the right the, a sort of cognitive mechanism where you recognize and are at least somewhat moved by reasons for and against different courses of action, right? And um, and then that. And then that it's your reasons responsive uh, mechanism. That, in other words, uh, that you know you're not um, that you know that you're not being being manipulated in the uh, in you know like you're not just a vessel for somebody else's you mm-hmm. know for some other you know reasons responsive agent you know who's who's like you know mm-hmm. messing with your brain or something to make sure that you're doing it, but that like. You, you know, you like they kind of own your own, you know, reasons responsive uh, mechanism, uh, and and one way of understanding that, you know, I mean, obviously it's a it's an analogy, it's fuzzy, you know, but like is uh, is to is to think of it like uh, you know, like owning uh, owning property, and say that if if you just um, that you know that if you just find some you know, piece unknown property on you know on the on the side of the road, right? Like if if you just uh, you know, if I just find like a a brightly colored rock, right? You know, <laughs> uh, you know my rock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then that's mine as long as I'm the only person with a with a claim, you know, to yeah. the rock, right? Uh, whereas if it turns out somebody else. You know that was their that was their beloved favorite rock. You know that they were carrying around, and you know they just they just accidentally lost it, right? You know, even though I I don't know any different, right? You know that then I'm not the person with the best claim to the rock, right? So similarly, mm-hmm. in the neuroscientist kind of manipulation case, uh, then then I'm not the per I'm not the you know reasons responsive agent, you know, with with the best the best claim. Right on the decision, right? You know that they uh, that I'm really just kind of a vessel. This other one, okay. Uh, but then I think the way that the paraboom thing is supposed to challenge that is to is to say, well, let's start out with this like really extreme case of manipulation, mm-hmm. right? and, and we do one that's a little bit less extreme and a little bit less extreme, right? Uh, and um, and then you know then we just kind of get down to to normal 
you know, normal determinism, and it's supposed to seem like very arbitrary, right? Where where mm-hmm. you where you draw, you know, where you draw line, uh, and of course, you know, from Paraboom's perspective, you, right, what he thinks is the important difference, right? Is what he thinks is important here is just that hey, these are all you know deterministic causes that are all you know that are ultimately outside of your control, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? You know, like that's so they're all the same thing, right? But of course, oh, you know, insisting on that kind of begs the question, right? Against the compatibilist, right? So he's not just he's not just insisting on that explanation. He's saying that the compatibilist is being arbitrary because um, you know they they're willing to. You know they're willing to accept one, uh, but but not others. And and what I would, I and and then this is what brings up the answer I kept giving to John, which is which 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 is that I think that like manipulation is a reasonably clear concept, uh, but like tons <laughs> of reasonably clear concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you've you've got this, this this gray zone, right? You know it's like okay, well how much. How much, how much manipulation mm-hmm. are, are we talking about, right? So we have the neuroscientist who intervenes in the moment, the scientist who intervenes when you're who like intervenes when you're a baby to try to set you on the right general course, mm-hmm. um, and you know some sort of like you know maybe we can you know like maybe we can even like add another couple steps to Parabooms, you know progression, you know sure. that we can go like some extreme cult brainwashing to mm-hmm. just like, you know, to like pretty extreme levels of social pressure that are somewhere short <laughs> of that. To, you know, like, and I think it is, it is very difficult to, to know, to know where to draw the line, but that's, that's not necessarily more interesting to me than, than saying that, um, you know, that if, you know, if you start out with the person with three hairs on their head and they're, you know, and we would, we would say that they're bald, you add a hair, you add a hair, you add a hair, you know, in, until, uh, you know, until they look like me, right? At some point, clearly, <laughs> cross the threshold from from bald to not bald. Yeah. Uh, but like, it would be absurd to say, "Aha, uh, my grand unified theory of baldness." It's, uh, uh, you know, 998 hairs is, you know, is the cutoff, right? If you have 997, you're bald. If you have 998, you're not bald. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I think, like most interested and important concepts, um, you know, it is somewhat susceptible to having the, this gray zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I guess <clears throat> the, so. Hmm, just just kind of thinking about this. So it's it's pretty clear to both of us, it seems, that if you know there, <clears throat> if if last night in my sleep, um, yeah. There was, a, you know, there was a chip implanted in my head, unbeknownst to me, that yes. just, you know, and it and it makes me, you know, we get off of this call, and yeah. I'm driving, and it makes me the the chip is, you know, turned on, it makes me swerve the the car and run over a child in a crosswalk, right? Um, yes. What matters in that case? Well, you know, okay, no, let's make it interesting. Let's yeah. say that. Um, Let's say that there's a chip implanted in my brain, but we don't know if it was turned on or not at the time that I, I decided to. And it was, you know, let's just pretend we don't need to know how we know this, but I purposefully hit the child, right? Uh, now, it seems like the crucial 
a variable there is whether the chip was turned on or not and what the chip was Absolutely. instructing me to do, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So so if that's the case, um, and let's say, so, so, you know, I think our intuitions will align here that if the chip was not turned on and it was not interfering with my decision making anyway, I am in a very real and important sense morally responsible for that decision, right? Yeah, and, and, and this is actually, um, you know, we're, we're one, you know, we're one tiny variation away from one of the classical arguments for compatibilism, which is... Um, that uh, let's let's say the the person you know the mad scientist who implanted this chip uh, wanted to be very careful about you know um, I don't know maybe um, maybe it's like a very like early version of the brain chip and you know he can only like turn it on a certain number of times you know or he's not sure it'll work if he turns it on too too many times and so he. Uh, He's he's not going to turn it on, you know. He's let's say he set up some cameras in your car, right? He's going to see yeah. what you're going to do, and uh, and all that's important to the mad scientist is that this this child die for some reason, right? You know that mm -hmm. they like that's 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 what he cares about in this. <laughs> so um, if it looks like uh, if his sense is that you see the child and you're gonna you're gonna run him over without him having to turn on the chip. Mm. Uh, then he'll just like conserve the energy in his, you know, controller or whatever. He won't turn it on. But uh, if his sense from watching you is that he's that he's going to um, is that you're not going to do it, right? You know, without him, um, mm. without him pushing the button and turning on the chip in your head, then he will do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and in this case, I think, and what makes it such an interesting case that. Um, you know, which actually kind of brings us full circle, you know, about, uh, you know, to the question of people's like immediate intuitive responses mm -hmm. is that most people's immediate intuitive response to this case is that in the version where the mad scientist doesn't have to turn on the chip because you just purposely swerve you know, on your own, mm -hmm. right? Like you, you didn't even know there's a chip in your head. You know, the chip was never activated. The chip played no role whatsoever in the mm. chain of cause and effect leading up to your decision. Uh, most people's immediate intuitive reaction to that is, yeah, you're absolutely morally responsible for, for running into the child in this case, which is really interesting because um, in that case, you're not free to do otherwise, because because uh, all roads were going to lead to 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 uh, running over the child, mm -hmm. right? Either you're going to do it on your own, or you're going to do it because the bad scientist activated the chip. Uh, so if we still if we still think that you uh, that you're responsible, in fact, a pretty intuitive way of putting the point would be. Uh, you're responsible for it because you didn't do it because of the chip in your head, you did it of your own free will, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you're responsible for it, if it's tempting to even explain that responsibility in terms of a certain sense of free will, even though you weren't free to do otherwise, that strongly suggests that being in control of your actions and the right way to be morally responsible at least can come apart from freedom to do otherwise. Mm. Um, which is, so this is, um, the original, the original version of this is, um, Harry Frankfurt, uh, 
the all moral responsibility and alternate possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, like Black is the uh, is the bad scientist, and Jones is the uh, is yep. the person he's, he's, he's manipulating. And and so of course this is because uh, because this is one of the you know one of the ways that you know compatibilists can actually turn the tables and like have most people share their intuition uh that um this uh you know there's there's this whole cottage industry of um of of papers about this in the last few decades where where people have you know tried to resist this by by uh by pushing you know by like nitpicking the example or you know any any given version of the example right saying no 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 there's there's something that you know, there's something that Jones could have done different. He could have tried to resist, or he could have done this or that, right? And then people on board and say, okay, if you don't like that, right, how about this version of it where it seems like there's nothing, you know, mm-hmm. where it seems like he couldn't have even done that, right? You know, and then and then people, you know, that. But like one of my one of my favorite versions of this is uh, uh, is a one that. Um, is sort of doubles as a version of the uh, grandfather paradox about time travel. So there's uh, this comes from Joshua Spencer, the uh, so Martin, uh, the time traveler uh, during one of his like random jaunts through space and time. Uh, he sees, uh, you know, it goes back to like the 1930s and there's a, uh, there's a tightrope, there's a uh, high wire walker um, who's about to fall to his death. And um, and and Martin is in like there's like a button he can press that activates the safety net, you know, to save the guy. And having no idea who the person is, but just out of general, you know, benevolence, right? He he pushes the button to activate the safety net. Um, and uh, but then twist ending, it turns out that the high wire walker was his grandfather, mm. and so uh, you say, well, it looks. Um, uh, intuitively, right? We 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 probably think that you know. I mean, he had no idea this guy's his grandfather. That's not why he did it, right? You know, mm-hmm. so uh, he's morally responsible in a positive sense, right? You know, he's mm-hmm. he's, he's admirable for doing this, even though this this looks like a really robust sense of could not yeah. have done otherwise. Because if he hadn't if he hadn't pressed it, he wouldn't have existed in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that one has always struck me as interesting because it's it, I get the point it's making, but it almost seems to muddy the waters with the whole time travel thing because people's sure. intuitions with that vary too. I, I take the point though. Um, so so okay now I'm now I'm sort of wondering if it almost <clears throat> from your view almost comes down to uh, different types of attributability almost okay. so. So it's it seems clear, but correct me if I'm misunderstanding you, that if we can attribute the cause, um, because again, uh, you know, just to clarify for people, there's yeah. there's sort of two senses of the word responsible. There's there's like causal, um, in the sense of like a physics way where a marble can you know knock into another marble and move it. That's like the causal right. sense, and then there's responsible in the term that we're using it, which is a morally rich sense of the word, which is, you know, maybe in Strassonian terms, deserving of reactive attitudes in some sense, yeah. um, like resentment or, or blame or punishment. Uh, well, maybe not punishment, but, um, yeah. 
so so what I'm curious about is uh, you seem to be pretty consistent across the board that if we can attribute the the uh, main cause or or the crucial cause of an action to an external agent, that that seems to be suspending of of the reactive attitudes or moral responsibility. Um, and it also seems that if the 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 cause is sort of large enough and sort of obvious enough that you'll also suspend moral responsibility. But when it gets down to sort of granular, very banal, um, <coughs> bless you, um, Thank you. Uh, senses of... Just temperature check it, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I can catch anything across the, the webcam. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, so... <clears throat> so, so... Um, yeah, so it seems like if there's a, a large, uh, a large enough cause that's sort of clear enough um, or obtuse enough, or there's an agent um, who we can see sort of manipulating the situation, then then you're very Just, willing to suspend the reactive attitudes. But if the the causes are sort of granular enough and banal enough, um, then then it seems like we're sort of wanting to, or you're sort of wanting to hold on um, to moral responsibility. Do you think that accurately uh, describes your view? Uh, I sure hope not. Uh, what's, what's the, uh, like, like, like what, what's, what's an example you have in mind for, cause you, cause you said, you said two things, right? Which uh, the first part, first part sounded right. So they have a, so you said okay. that if, if the, um, so if my decision is, is caused by manipulation by, by another agent, mm-hmm. Uh, hey, hey Ben. That, that's it, right, right? So, so. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. We're having a little uh, Skype difficulties. Oh. Can Can we both toggle off our video, maybe? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So I'm ha I'm having some bad connections. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Uh, is this any better for you? Uh, this is fine for me. Is it? Jordan. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we're good. So sorry, go ahead. No problem, no problem. So, so yeah, if if um, if somebody is being manipulated by 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 another agent, uh, then then I think that, uh, that means that they're not uh, in in control enough to be responsible, right? Like so, in the version in the version of the. Um, of the swerving to hit a child example where uh, the bad scientist did turn on, uh, you know, did turn on the chip in your head, uh, then, then I don't think you would be, you'd be responsible. I think the bad scientist would be responsible. Yes. Um, but you also said if like the, if there was like a sort of big enough or obvious enough kind of, kind of external thing. Like in a, a brain way tumor maybe. Well, all right. Okay, good. So actually, that's that's helpful. All right, that gives, that gives me a better sense of what you have in mind. Okay. Uh, yeah. So so here's the uh, so here's the distinction I, I would make, right? So because um, I'd, I'd say roughly that there are um, there are two conditions uh, at least for being in control of your actions, the sense that I'm interested in. Uh, one 
is just about the way that your decision process works and the other is about whether there's like somebody who has a better claim to those decisions than you do right mm-hmm. so yeah. the 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 mad scientist cases are all about the second condition mm-hmm. but if if a brain tumor was relevant to um you know if 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 we decided it wasn't morally responsible because they they had a brain tumor uh then i would say that that would be relevant only if it have impacted the first part like the actual internal structure of your decision making process so in other words like um if the effect of the brain tumor um, and it's going to be probably going to become very obvious to a medical expert as we, as we keep on going that I don't know very much about brain tumors, but uh, <laughs> uh, but like if the if the effect of the brain tumor um, was was for example that like it it uh, it made you like really um, uh, hyper emotional or angry all the time. And and it, it it made you it made it very hard for you to like slow down and think about what you were doing. Mm. Uh, then um, and if the effect extreme enough, I might say that uh, that you weren't that you weren't in control uh, of your actions the way because because the kind of control of your actions that I'm interested in uh, is about reasoning. Right, you know that you're whether you know like practical reasoning, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like like thinking about reasons for and against different you know different courses of action, and so if you know if it, what the effect of the brain tumor was that it really inhibited your ability to um, your ability to uh, to to recognize uh, reasons for and against an action or or to be somewhat moved by those reasons like i i sort of vaguely feel like it might be some classic master cases where brain tumors seem to be relevant somehow you know like but if if, if that were the case right I, i would imagine that the relevance would wouldn't be i would imagine that the relevance would be something like that right that they that um that like it, it it led to people you know having some like sort of severe chemical imbalance in, in their brain or something such that um, such that maybe like they were just like overwhelmed by anger and 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 they couldn't and their the, the ability of their sort of their ability to sort of reason with themselves and you know and 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 get and get it under control and not necessarily to act on their anger if there were good reasons not to was just totally decimated by it uh then then yeah that would be that that would remove remove it but but i guess what i would say that the part of your description that i would, I would push back against a little bit is that to me the uh, the relevant part isn't that the brain tumor is big and obvious not you know subtle and granular Right, you know, um, like what David Hume calls the like small triggers, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in chains of cause and effect that we can't see. It's not that, right? If if you had some like, <clears throat> it's that the um, it's that the effect of the brain tumor is to interfere, is to um, is to interfere with your reasons responsive mechanism. You know, is to like make it such that you're not you're not reasons responsive up to the kind of threshold that we would want 
whereas, and you know, whereas um, there's nothing about determinism per se, right? You know, that just like having a bunch of like, you know, having a bunch of like subtle things that that all put together determine your action. That means that means that you're not uh, that you're not responsive to, to to reasons in the right way, right? So it's it's not about like it's not about whether like the um, the chain of cause and effect is like uh, is is big uh, is big and obvious or small and subtle. It's it's about uh, it's about whether the effect of those causes is to make you incapable of doing this kind of practical reasoning or not. Mm, okay. No, I think that I think that actually very helpfully clarifies things. So these two parts, um, the claim to ownership and and the reasons responsiveness. Um, do you are you requiring both of those for moral responsibility or um, yeah. just okay? So so if we're lacking yeah. in either part, then, then yeah, the, yeah. Okay. you have to be that like you know maybe maybe right. You have to be responsive to reasons and and the reasons that you're responsive to have to be have to be yours something like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now when you say yours um i'm curious where you're drawing the border of yours versus not um so i sorry what was that i uh, just 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 so we don't go down that particular rabbit hole uh, i think that the you know i i think that they would not be they would not be mine if i am uh if i am the victim uh, of of manipulation, uh, but this this takes us back to to but like I think I think like really like um, really getting under the hood of that takes us back to to Paraboom and and mm -hmm. and my answer to Paraboom is the same old boring answer you know that uh, <laughs> yeah. that, I, that I've given several times already. Yeah. So the thing so the thing that I I'm interested in now is. Um, the the sort of uh, in in the Strassonian terms the suspension of the reactive attitude. So do you see it as um, morally permissible or even morally obligatory to suspend the reactive attitude when you have a case where both of these parts to to agency aren't met? Uh yeah. So so I think that. You know, so so I I think that the way to think about uh, the relationship, um, you know, between between responsive, you know, responsibility and reactive attitudes is is that like um, uh, is that um, you know maybe what it is to be responsible is is for to be like an appropriate candidate for reactive attitudes or maybe for those reactive attitudes to like right you know so mm -hmm. um it's it's not uh you know like I, I really like uh ryan ryan lake uh um friend of mine has written about this you know has uh you know has like a metaphor about like how you know it's it's not like like some uh like like Nietzsche would say that like you know when you feel guilt you're like punishing yourself right and, and you know and 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 Ryan would like deny that right he'd say that like it's not it's not that you're like punishing yourself with feelings of guilt it's just that like guilt is the sort of appropriate you know feeling that kind of fits uh you know certain you know certain kinds of you know, wrongdoing or whatever kind of the same way that like 
the feeling of heartbreak fits, you know, romantic loss. Mm -hmm. And if you, um, if you're not particularly prone to either, that doesn't make you a bad person or anything. Right. You know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and if, if you, um, if you do, I don't know if you feel, if you blame some, if you, if you like blame somebody for what they've, what they've done when it's actually not objectively their fault. I'm not sure if that exactly, that's exactly morally wrong. I'd, I'd certainly say there's something like inapt or inappropriate about it. Like, uh, I remember, uh, this, I remember seeing a study once about, uh, some, um, you know, no idea why this would be gender specific, but you know, but, and maybe I'm just a sexist and I'm misremembering <laughs> the study. But the uh, I remember seeing a study once where there was some shockingly high percentage of women that, uh, uh, who who said in the, the study that they'd, uh, they'd they'd felt anger at uh, their romantic partners because of something that happened in, the, in a dream, <laughs> right? You, know? <laughs> you say, well, if if you were the person. You know, your your wife or girlfriend felt angry at you for something you've done in a dream, right? You know, I don't know that you would exactly think that she was doing something morally wrong, but you'd you'd uh, you'd certainly feel like there was something that was a little bit, you know, that like that uh, you'd you'd certainly feel like this this was uh, inappropriate, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there was there was a lack of fit between the feeling and the situation, and then if we go beyond reactive attitudes to like actual action in the world that might be premised on those reactive attitudes, right? Like, like punishment, for example, mm-hmm. uh, certainly if you're being punished for something that's not objectively your fault, then, then yeah, that would, I think that would definitely be morally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, can we toggle video back on just to see if it works? I, the, the bandwidth yeah. seems to be improving. Yep. Um, <clears throat> okay. So that, that makes a good bit of sense to me. Um, because I guess so. So I'm I'm thinking about this in terms of um, actually my my writing sample for graduate school is on um, critiquing Christine Korsgaard's view on this, um, and but it's interesting that I, I hugely <coughs> hugely disagree with her. Um, uh-huh. But what's really interesting is I I can't disagree with the fact that she um, and and Strassen really view um, you know this sort of reactive attitude and and holding responsible. Um, as something that's integral to really, you know, what it means to be an interpersonal individual, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I were to suspend those attitudes um, or those evaluations of people completely, that would be a, a very lonely existence. Um, right. But, it, but I also can't, <clears throat> I can't also get away with the fact that she, because um, Korsgaard obviously takes the, the Kantian route of saying that it is never appropriate to suspend the reactive attitude. And that also seems equally preposterous to me. Um, <coughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's... It, it, because, you know, I mean, surely, you, you know, we want to allow for some imposition of, of these, these external causes, whether it's the claim to ownership or the reason's responsiveness. Um, and it yeah, seems... I wonder how. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just curious, like yeah. how how far she, how far she would take that, right? Because because like I'm I'm just I'm just wondering about just like sort of like really ordinary mundane examples, like mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like you're you know I don't know, like you know, like you have uh, you've you, you know, like you're 
elderly grandfather can't take yep. care of himself has been like living in the house now and 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 he uh and 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 because you know because he's so you know because he's so out of it he does something that you know that would be like really out of line if any of the other members of the household do it but like I think I think normally we say uh, don't get mad. Grandpa doesn't know any better, right? You know, yep. like yep. so. So I, I wonder if she's really saying that that no, <laughs> you know, you're, you're yep. denying Grandpa's personhood. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that I mean, no, that's totally that's totally one of the main points of my objection to her is because she, you know, she claims. Um, and and I argue that her views tie her to being committed to that sort of unwavering. Uh, agentic view of people but it commits her to things that i cannot imagine that she would actually hold to herself um i i <laughs> i actually open up the essay with teasing that um i i wouldn't want to be friends with christian Corsgard because <laughs> <laughs> she would be committed to you know because I, I think it's it's equally as integral to you know interpersonal relationships to suspend the the reactive attitude in some cases, um, just as it's equally important to to not suspend it in every case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like you know I'm sure everyone can relate to this, but if you have like a friend or something that is just you know they, you you can't you can't always roll up your sleeves and get into the the mud with them on every single thing yeah, they think sure. or every single thing they say because that would just be torturous. Um, and, and to, to your example of, um, you know, maybe like a grandfather with, uh, with, with dementia or Alzheimer's or something, he's just losing his me- mental faculties, uh, to, to hold him responsible would be, I mean, <laughs> counterintuitive to say the least, um, because you'd be, you'd be, you would be, you know, arguing with someone who was incapable of argumentation or trying to reason with someone who was, you know, not sensitive to reason itself. So it commits her to sort of like a paradoxical view. Um, and and it's interesting, it's just because I think she sees, um, whether consciously or not, the the light at the end of that tunnel and then sort of tries to, to veer out of it a little bit by offering caveats like... Um, she, she, she. I can't quote it directly, but in her her essay, um, creating the kingdom of ends, she has these weird little caveats that seem to, to understandably try to make room for these exceptions, but they go against right. what she's logically committing herself to, and that's that's a big basis of my critique of the essay. Yeah, yeah. Now that's that's interesting. Um, I mean, especially if if she's, because like. Um, you know, at least as you describe it, I don't, I don't, I don't know this essay. Although I, I might, I might read it today. I mean, I'm what the hell else am I gonna do? I'm in quarantine, but uh, that's, uh, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but like especially the way you're describing it makes it sound like she's not just talking about sort of like feeling reactive attitudes, like you know, like okay, somebody says something ridiculous and and i i feel some irritation or whatever mm. but like if if uh if treating people as, as as agents really means that i i go beyond just just feeling this to like um you know trying to like argue with them to like correct them right you know then mm. then uh then that would really be uh, that would really just be intolerable, right? I mean, like it's, uh, you know, like, it's, yeah. it's like the uh, it's like the uh, the real world version of that um, 
you know, XKCD cartoon, you know, there's somebody on the internet is wrong, you know, like that's yeah, not like you <laughs> just spend you hours. Know, <laughs> yeah. If you really, if you really went around your, your, mm-hmm. your face to face life like that, right. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you just, you just like, <laughs> you know, can't abide somebody being like, you know, being, being in error or, or, or doing something wrong, you know, without, uh, you know, without correcting it. Um, you know, then, then that, that really seems like, um, you know, like like that really seems like somebody you 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 want to cross the street to avoid. Yeah, with that, I mean, so that's the thing. Uh, is you know, a I agree with you, and B, she again. I mean, that's that's really like a, a central part of the critique of her is that she. I don't think she actually does clarify that um, because I I I think she like I said she logically commits herself to that conclusion. But then, sort of backs away from it in in you know nuanced ways that I agree with, but I don't know that she's permitting herself to do with her own argumentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's 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 yeah, it's just it's interesting in that sense. Um, and I don't know uh, exactly what the linkage is. Like you were you were saying, maybe a rereading of this the essay with that question in mind would be useful. But I don't know if she really ex- explicates the distinction between holding an attitude and taking an action Mm -hmm. Um, because you know we 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 might want to i think we should probably want to keep that distinction available to us um like i could hold the reaction for instance oh here's a great example okay so um you know at a thanksgiving dinner or something uh (laughs) if i if i have because i I, from what i've seen from your political stuff we have very similar uh political leanings uh and and I have an extremely conservative uh, family, uh, an extended yeah. family too. So, so at Thanksgiving dinner, for instance, um, you know, let's let's say you know a, a relative of mine says something kind of repugnant uh, about right. about Mexican immigration or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I can feel um, the reactive attitude very strongly towards that relative. However, I can sort of I can choose to be strategic in my actions and just say, okay. Maybe, you know, minute 20 of an hour long dinner isn't exactly the, the right time <laughs> to just open up that Pandora's box. Right. Yeah, uh, totally. Right. Yeah. Like, like that. Yeah. That, that I had, and I'd be, uh, yeah. And the people who are the least capable of, of, uh, of, of restraining themselves that way are the people you'd, you'd want to spend the least time around. Absolutely. Um, that uh, you know, and, and actually, that's that's a really nice example because in that case, I think that it would be uh, like, you know, I would um, maybe feel a little bit more of an intuitive pull towards saying that, like, um, I don't, I don't know that I would quite go as far as necessarily as to say that it'd be wrong if you didn't, but like, you know, but like, I, I, I would maybe be like worried about you if you didn't if you didn't feel the reactive attitude right you know yeah, but that's yeah. not like you know <laughs> uh, but uh mm-hmm. you know but but not expressing it seems very wise right like you know like yeah. you know, they, uh, you know we're all gonna be you know we're all gonna be here for at least another 40 minutes and then the <laughs> game comes on and you know <laughs> yeah right? yeah yeah no i know and 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 the thing is is i i Honestly, I haven't read all of her work on this, so it's possible mm-hmm. that I'm missing something um, where she does draw a distinction between between uh, the two. But 
honestly, from what I've read in, um, she, so she has an essay, Creating the Kingdom of Ends, and then she also has a book, Morality as Freedom. Um, mm-hmm. or, or no, no, Morality as Freedom is a chapter in a book by the same name, I think. Okay. Um, Creating the yep. Kingdom of Ends. But I think there's an essay and there's a book and they're different. Um, but but yeah, it, <clears throat> so it seems like, you know, if I, like, if I read her essay and I buy it hook, line, and sinker, then I am sort of, at least logically speaking, committed to always going around as sort of just this like, <laughs> you know, this uncontrollable reactive, like reactivity machine. Um, and it just seems to me that like it, you know, and, and, you know, the, the latter part of the, the essay um, from my essay is um, kind of trying to lay out maybe when it's per- morally permissible um, or even obligatory to suspend the the reactive attitudes. Uh, and it just seems like, you know, in a, in a case, uh, you know, where it might be like a, a grandfather, say, um, a hypothetical one, let's say, um, who, you know, it's, it is so apparent to me, like, it's just, it is like, this is like the most morally clear thing in my life that he is just not going to be receptive to, right. to reason on this. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and so it's just that, that is when I do sort of truly embody the objective attitude with respect to, to him and just say, you know, this line of reasoning isn't, isn't really available to him. Like it, it kind of violates your, your, um, your two parts to, to moral agency. It is, he has the claim to this ownership, um, yeah. but he doesn't have the reasons responsiveness. Um, okay. In some in some non-trivial sense, I think, and that's different than just you know, uh, I I think that can be easily conflated with just calling someone dumb or saying oh he's uh, just you know some old Republican or something. But like in a in a in a non-trivial sense, like that that conclusion is really unavailable to him, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's that's a case in which I think, um, for instance, the the objective attitude really is appropriate. Um, for, I mean, if, you know, notwithstanding, it allows you to maintain the relationship also. Yeah. I mean, I also, um, yeah. So I, th- I think in, in that case, that's, that's plausible. I also wonder if, uh, you know, they're, they're probably, you know, there's probably like a ver- a plausible version of the case where, uh, you know, maybe if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a sense in which you know, like you know, if if you, you know, like like five hundred hours of arguing about this or whatever, like you know, sure, like, yeah. like like maybe it can come around, but like yeah. it's just like, um, it's like that time it's, though, <laughs> you know, it's not worth it, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, like you're probably you, you you never get that far in the first place, right? You know that's because yeah. it's like you know you'd run out of steam or he'd run out of steam or yeah. or, or or you know like it, it just it it just seems like there could be all you know, there could be all sorts of um, you know even if you think that like you know maybe he you know maybe he could you know he could be persuaded. But like it's it's a uh, but like you know you're you're not um, not only are you not required to to acts of like argumentative heroism on that level, but like um, but maybe we wouldn't even really 
you know, admire you if you're you're prone to them, right? Like if yeah, you yeah. if you like like I'm thinking about I don't know if you know there's a uh, uh, classic essay by by Susan Wolf called uh, Moral Saints. Yep, the great uh, essay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where she she argues very convincingly to me, you know, the uh, that uh, that we wouldn't. Um, that like on reflection, none of us would really want to be moral saints, and and, and we probably wouldn't want to be friends with moral saints, and no. you know like that they have, you know we don't have that like the, there's a there's a there are there are not moral dimensions to to our intuitive conception of of, of like a you know a life well lived and all this stuff, mm. and uh, and and so you know and so like maybe you know so maybe like if you you know, somebody who, um, somebody who is just like really that, like that inclined to like always, you know, um, like always like make, you know, engage in every desperate uphill struggle to like morally reform every person around them, you know, mm-hmm. like would just be, would just be deficient in some of those other like dimensions of like what we admire in a person, you know, that yeah. they, that, you know, they'd just be, you know, that like, you know, we also, you know, we also like, you know, we also value, you know, family or we also value just, you know, mm. like having nice dinners or just quiet or, you know, whatever. Right. You know, yeah, like, there, are, just... those, there are all these all these other values in the mix, you know, and, and, and so like on balance, um you know, on, 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 on balance, you know, you should like, you know, even if, you know, even if you think there is that, that, that possibility that like, if you were really willing to, to do the deep dive down into the, the pond of, you know, of, of grandpa's, you know, reasons, then like, you know, <laughs> then, like maybe you could, you know, like maybe you could get him to, uh, you could, could get him to come around, but like, you know, would you really, you know, would you really want to be the guy who, you know, who's, uh, yeah. you know, who's always trying to do that? Yeah. And if you are the guy who's always trying to do that, um, you know, it's just, I think it is also a burden on other people too. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, like just, you know, to put it from my perspective, if, if, if it was the reverse, um, you know, cause it's interesting cause I'll, I'll take the objective attitude in reverse too. Um, uh-huh. where, you know, they'll, um, you know, I, I guess this, this is sort of a, a point that doesn't come up much anymore, but, um, you know, again, my entire family is like deeply, deeply religious. Um, uh-huh. uh, and, and when I was in high school, um, it, you know, I, I, I had kind of, I hadn't seen the wisdom yet in just, uh, just making some some non-committal remarks and then and then moving on, you know, and, yeah. and and engaging in those conversations is is sort of just a lose lose for everyone because you know if you're engaging with the wrong people, they're not going to understand what you're saying, and it's just it's just like a pure pot of misery for everyone involved, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think in those cases, when they would ask about, you know, like, are you attending a church in college and stuff like that? You know, it's, it's, you have to walk a fine line between lying and, and just pulling back the curtain and just <laughs> saying everything, you know? Uh, 
Yeah. 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 No, I absolutely. Uh, I remember um, a a story about uh, my um, uh, my wife's ex being being asked while well, he was he was he was back in um, uh, in uh, you know with his uh, his family in in Texas and uh, and his mm-hmm. mother really wanted him to. Uh, you know, go to church with her and, 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 you know, and, and he, he didn't, you know, he didn't want to, and, and, you know, so far I'm sympathetic to him, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like at this point in the story, right? Like that's that like, yeah, it's like, a, yep. yeah, you know, no reason he should have to do that. Right. I mean, he's in his twenties, you know, he's like, he should, you know, like, you know, whatever. Uh, but then like his, his stated reason, and I always thought this was the hilarious part was that, um, uh, was was the if like somebody like as it was breaking up were to like you know tell him like you know that uh, uh, you know God bless him or something like this that he would feel duty bound to uh, to explain to them the error of their ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> like, it's not like he totally loses all the sympathy he had going for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. That that it's it is really really interesting, and I think. You know, uh, to to circle back around, I think that is why her position is so unreasonable. She loses the nuance um, to to life there. Uh, you know, where I mean, some sometimes you you really do have to choose, and and it's not easy by any means to choose which attitude is appropriate in every in every condition. Um, and you know, I think I think a lot of people, myself included, choose the wrong attitude sometimes. But to to categorically say that. Uh, you know, the, the objective attitude is never warranted is, uh, I just think it's, I just think it's deeply, deeply unreasonable and, and unpragmatic too. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, you know, I mean, to give, to give her credit where credit's due, I think she and Strawson, um, I think they correctly diagnosed the condition of suspending the reactive attitude. Also, it's, it is, I mean, you do have to bite the bullet, and this is why it can't always be appropriate, uh, that you really are degrading the status of the person whom you take the objective attitude with respect to, right? Like, if if I, in this conversation, take the objective attitude towards you, um, I think, you know, ben, Ben's just, he's, he's unreachable <laughs> right now, Um I'm not even going to bother to to bring up this this um, you know contradiction in his logic or something, right? That is degrading you and your status of personhood, um, and so I think I think that's really what's driving Course Guard's rejection of the objective attitude. But I think it should be more evaluated in the sense of this is why we should be cautious about it um, and and can't and can't do it all the time. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, that there's there's something, uh, yeah, like uh, that you're, yeah. There's there's certainly, um, you know, there's certainly something condescending mm-hmm. about about it, right? You know, it's like oh, you know, he's he's just not going to get it, you know, yeah. like that's the, you know. <laughs> 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 so you know, so like on on that on that level, you know, I I, I get the um, you know I, I get the driving intuition, but if you uh, but but yeah, like, like surely whatever. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. you know 
like I, I know we've just been agreeing with each other for quite a while about this, but like you know, but like, but yeah, but but surely you have to, yeah, you, you have to pick your battles, yeah. and and if um and and uh, not just in terms of yeah, I mean part like partially in terms of your chances are of success, and and also just just partially in terms of all of these you know all of these other factors you know that 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 you don't want to be. You know, you don't want to be annoying and all this stuff. So, um, you know, so which, which, which I guess, I guess makes, you know, as, as a, at least a, at least as a initial reaction, you know, before reading the essay, it makes me think that, um, makes me suspicious of, uh, of describing it in, in quite such extreme terms, right? You know, like, are you, yeah. are you really, are you really treating somebody as an object rather than an agent? Uh, you know, by by doing this, like maybe maybe you are if you like consistently, you mm-hmm. know, uh, do you know do it towards them, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but like you know, if if we're like if we're interested in in making sense of uh, interpersonal interpersonal relations and not calling for a sweeping reform of interpersonal relations, right? You know that mm-hmm. like we all need to like you know we all need to go around like arguing with each other all the time, right? You know then uh, <laughs> uh, then then it's then then I I think I'd, I'd want to dial turn down the dial a little bit to like yeah. Uh, to to like okay like maybe to the extent that part of your reasoning is that you is that you don't think that they 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 they, they would get it maybe you know maybe that is a little bit objectifying but you know um but uh i don't know and i don't know i mean maybe there's a maybe there's an interest in um interesting undiscovered tension in my views here too because i think that since like since we've been talking about this i've been primarily i've been primarily thinking about this not so much with my um uh my like free will hat on as as with my like sort of like thinking about how persuasion works hat on right you Mm. know that's you know and and from the you know from the second one it seems overwhelmingly obvious that like you know obviously you know we do um you know we you know, we change our minds about things and, mm-hmm. and, and, and arguments clearly, clearly do play a role in that process. But it's also, um, but like, you know, I think even in, even in ordinary cases where, where, you know, like people aren't like terribly irrational in various ways, like we, we still think that like, you know, it's sort of, it's, we, we don't think it's an automatic lock, right? Like that, like mm-hmm. just given, that like you know if you're a reasonably rational person then like just given that the argument is a good one right and and you're exposed to it right you know that you'll like automatically you know you'll automatically (laughs) be brought around right i mean that's probably not realistic we think it's got to be like the sort of you know the right argument presented in the right way at the right time when you're when when you're open Mm -hmm. to it for all sorts of reasons you know Mm -hmm. Mm Um, and which, which is why I think it, it so often is the case, um, 
certainly in my experience, I think more generally, right, you know, that like um, that when we're convinced by arguments, uh, it's not when we first hear them, right? You know, that uh, yeah. that we that like you, you think, you know, especially especially if you're especially first hear them in in the course of a you know an argument in the other sense right like you know you're you're where you're you know your ego is very bound up with you know with what position you're taking and you know um like really really what i find happens to me much more often is that like you know the best parts of an argument against my position will sort of like gradually gnaw at me over time right Mm -hmm. you know and, and i'll kind of maybe come to see their full force like much later, you know, when, when I kind of happened to think back to it, you know, yeah, and like, yeah. it's like, ah, oh, man, that was a really good point. Wasn't it? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. No, no, that I, I think that's a very, an accurate way of how most people, myself included, change their mind. Um, yeah. So, okay. So after we get off the call, um, I'll send you just like the, yep. the title of the paper or whatever, just, yep. just so I'm, I'm recommending you the correct one. Yep. Um, yep. but before we do that, do you have uh, a couple minutes for some rapid fire, uh, philosophy questions? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Cool. So yeah, uh, in the spirit of, uh, of taking wisdom from people who are doing what I want to do, um, yep. what, what piqued your interest in philosophy as, um, just more than an interest as a profession? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I guess like I kind of uh, probably like a lot of people end up going into philosophy. I, 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 you know, taken classes and a lot of different things undergrad. It was it was just kind of like trial and error. I realized that I liked this, you know, which I think is probably a function of the fact that uh, Americans don't typically take philosophy in high school, uh, which. Um, so then, um, and then I think I. Um, I think it was just some combination of getting really into the philosophy classes I was taking and, uh, and, and maybe just kind of getting really into to school in general. Right. You know, like, which is some, um, uh, you know, which is something that kind of happened for me in like sort of late college, you know, late college, you know, <laughs> and, um, and then, uh, also frankly, I mean, like at the time, uh, like during my last like year or so of college, you know, I was also, I was, you know, when I wasn't taking classes, I was working at uh, my, which is like a big grocery store chain in uh, the upper Midwest, uh, loading and unloading boxes from trucks. And, um, and, and the thought of, uh, of, of getting to, you know, like the, the thought of like, you know, getting paid to, uh, to like, um, you know, teach and grade papers and stuff like that, right? You know, yeah. like like I think you know sounded very yeah. appealing to me, you know, in that circumstances. <laughs> so I think yeah. I think like a lot of people, I just kind of fell into it sideways. Yeah, were were you ever unsure or in a position where it looked like it wasn't going to happen? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, um, well. Okay, so for one thing, uh, I double major in history and philosophy undergrad. I I, you know, I remember there was a minute when I was thinking about, you know, applying to grad school in history instead of philosophy. Um, and, and certainly, you know, in the, uh, not going to narrow now cause it'd be way too depressing, but like, mm-hmm. you know, in the sort of like, you know, ups and downs of the job market over the years, like, you know, there were certainly times when, when, when it seemed like, 
you know, it seemed like it wasn't happening. And like, you know, and, and, and I was, um, and like, 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 like I did, I did definitely have some, some serious moments of being like, well, shit, uh, what do, um, what's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, uh, what, what else can I do with my life right now? Yeah. Right. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, that, that's totally fair. Um, what, so this is related to what we were talking about, but what's the last thing you changed your mind about as a result of reading a piece of philosophy? Ooh, oh, nice. Uh, that's a good question. Oh, uh, the last thing. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think think that well um <laughs> nothing you're you're right about everything <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. no man this is the this is the burden of always being right the first time yeah. no <laughs> no I've, I've, I've definitely you know definitely changed my mind about some stuff i think that um uh, I, I'm, I'm trying, you know, although this kind of does, does go to the point about how it's often a kind of very partial and nebulous, you know, process, but, but I, I think, um, you know, but, uh, my, my friend, uh, um, Mark Warren, uh, went to grad school with teaches in, uh, Buffalo, uh, right now, um, uh, he, uh, I used to, I mean, I used to argue with him a lot about, um, about, uh, like, uh, well, roughly expressivism and deflationism about, about morality and, uh, and, um, and I, 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 I certainly, you know, it's it's fresh in my mind because like he, I just read a paper he sent me like about this yesterday, right? And and certainly, I I, I couldn't I couldn't pin it down, right? But like I, I I certainly while reading, you know, exactly when the transition happened, but like I I remember, you know, as I was reading the paper yesterday, um, you know, being struck that like. You know, I agreed with a lot more of this than I used to. You know, mm -hmm. when I argued with him about it, right? You know, uh, so uh, so so yeah. I mean that that that's certainly uh, that's certainly a change. So like so like broadly speaking, going back to like kind of the uh, the issue we kind of touched on in mid passing earlier about um, about thinking about how many sorts of debates in certain kinds of fields or amount of matter of people uh talking past each other or like the sort of maybe sophisticated way to put that would be like um um you know like sometimes things look like they're debates about how reality is but maybe they're best understood as sort of um uh the fancy phrases you know meta metalinguistic negotiations you know like they like you know what we're what really uh what we're really arguing about is 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 um is like how to use certain key terms and you know um and and i think that uh the idea that this sort of this sort of framework could uh could accommodate 
a lot of what's going on and certain kinds of arguments about, um, well, about like mathematics, uh, you know, and, and even, even about, um, uh, even about moral, you know, moral judgments, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that were, uh, that even, even if it has like a certain kind of like social coordinating function, uh, that, um, you know, that like, that like we have to decide a determinate answer to, right. You know, cause like we have to figure out what to do, mm-hmm. right. You know, mm-hmm. but like, but that, that said that we're not necessarily, it's not that they're like, um, you know, it's not that there are like pre-existed moral facts that we're like, you know, we're like coming across, right. We're sort of, that we're, that we're maybe, um, uh, that, that we're, that we're really just kind of like having this, like, you know, incredibly complicated sort of, you know, um, uh, negotiation about like how to, how to, um, you know, how to use certain kinds of moral categories and stuff, you know, in order to figure out how to act together, something along those lines seems much more plausible than it, than it used to be to me. But like, I, I realize that that's 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 very far, you know. Like like it would sound so much better if I could just be like I, <laughs> I changed my mind about uh, you know about uh, you know epistemic externalism about a year and a half ago, you know, yeah. when I read this, you know. But like it's all so fuzzy, right? You know, because it's like because it's because it's like you you read a bunch of things and then over the course of time you kind of start to realize yeah. that like you know you're that like you know you sort of shifted in a certain to a certain degree over to this other position, but you're not quite sure when it happened. And I don't. Know. Yep, yep. No, I I totally empathize with that. I for me, I mean, philosophy is just like the it is the field that for for myself at least is best at just it is like a slap in the face of oh you were so sure about this position and uh, let me just let me just disabuse you of that like uh, uh, like certainty yeah um okay cool so uh so last two questions um what do you enjoy most and least about your job okay uh that's uh that's way easier i uh <laughs> so um the the part the part that i enjoy enjoy the most is the actual like classroom interaction, the discussions, the, the people like, like, um, like the actual, like in class part of teaching philosophy is a lot of fun, you know, like for, for reasons that are, um, so as a, uh, professor I had in grad school who teaches at Toronto now, Nick Stang, who, who told me once that he'd, um, uh, as an undergrad, he he double majored in math. He was thinking at one point about going to graduate school in math, and part of what you know, part of what got him to do philosophy was said, "All right, well, look, in either field, unless you're incredibly lucky, right, you're probably going to end up mostly teaching like very low level introductory classes, right?" Mm-hmm. And um, um, and the gap between the questions that you are ex- you know exploring in like you know, college algebra or whatever, right? You know, like, yeah. you know, introductory level math classes that you would teach 
and what you're actually interested in as a mathematician is like this. Yeah. And the gap between the questions that you're exploring in intro to philosophy class, what you're interested in as a professional philosopher is like this, right? You know, like yeah. uh, there are no interested unsolved problems in college algebra. Intro to philosophy is nothing but interest in unsolved problems, right? You know, so mm. uh, uh, you, so, um, and like a lot of the pleasure of it is, is seeing that play out, right? That people have, like you were talking about, these kind of slap in the face, you know, epiphanies, you know, like like that actually happens all the time, right? Yep. You know, in, uh, in intro to philosophy. Um, but um, the and the part the part that I like the least is grading. That's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's 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 not a hard um, you know that's not a hard question, which uh, which which really. Which, which is really like you know above and beyond the mass death and everything is is really a um, uh, additional layer of the tragedy of what's going on right now because yeah. uh, you know because teaching online is 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 like uh, you you lose out the thing that's best about teaching and yeah. uh, and and, uh, and you know it's it's like ninety percent the thing that, that's the worst about it. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, final question. Uh, what piece of advice from your experiences would you give to someone like me who is applying to programs? Okay. <clears throat> um, well, you said, uh, you know, um, well, you said you're looking at Georgia State, so I think that's a good, um, you know, that's a good instinct. I went to, I, I mean, I went to a very similar um I, I did. I uh, went to Western Michigan for my master's degree, which is the same same kind of same kind of deal as far mm-hmm. as the uh, the master's program goes. So I, I think that's that's a good like uh, you know like if you have. I mean I don't know. I mean like you're you know maybe maybe in your case you'd be fine. You know like 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 going straight into a PhD program. You know you're um, you know like you you certainly know a lot more about this stuff than i did coming out of you know coming out of undergrad but um but i think um i mean i guess the uh i mean i guess the cold the the like um i guess the less the less fun advice would be to to think to think in advance about um, about both uh, like about what's going to happen what's going to happen afterwards both in terms of like okay if if you don't end up um, you know like 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 okay, like if you go go to graduate school and you and you get out and you have a uh, and you know you get into like a a tenure track job within a couple of years or something, then 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 great, right? But like if you don't, right? Like 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 what are your like um, uh, are you are you kind of willing to to just sort of you know, bounce around with like the sort of more precarious versions, right? You know, of of an academic teaching career. If not, what's the backup plan? That might be something to think about. And I guess, I guess related to that, um, the like, it's you know, it's worth it's worth thinking at some point within maybe the first couple of years of grad school about the balance between. 
like obviously look nobody's you know um you know the the fact that you know like the fact that going to philosophy grad school at all is like you know is is like prioritizing you know doing what you like over you know over <laughs> over over what's the you know maybe the wisest in a certain way right <laughs> like anybody who anybody who can get into graduate school philosophy could get into law school and that's probably a better bet right but like yeah. i have a but like within that it'll be worth thinking about like um you know like sort of marketability of uh of what like you know like what you you know what you write your dissertation on you know you're not signing a contract to like you know this is what i'm going to spend all my time thinking about for the rest of my life right you know <laughs> you know but it is you know but like you know but you might you might want to like sit down at some point and think about like okay you know um you know if you know even if like what really like makes me passionate is thinking about like the you know metaphysical status of mathematical objects or something where, you know, <laughs> like that's that's like you know is is you know um you know are you gonna have a much better chance of getting a, you know getting a, a job when you get out if it's like bioethics or something like that mm -hmm. and and um and you're really you know you're really not selling your soul if you you know if you do that right like you can you can you know you can you know you can go right back to to spending a lot of your time thinking about the the mathematical objects in a few years you know yep. but uh, but you know that's that's i mean i guess that i guess that would be i, I don't know a lot of it but that would be the practical advice that i know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no it seems it seems uh, extremely practical um, all right, Ben, thanks so much for uh, for coming back on for a part two. All right. My pleasure. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll send you that that article title. Um, but otherwise, uh, thank you again. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that discussion. Um, I know I really, really enjoyed having it um, and speaking to Ben. So um, in the show notes below, I will include links um, or titles to all of the papers that we referenced and all of Ben's information. Um, so what you can do to support me and this show if you enjoyed it and found it valuable is go to patreon.com forward slash Jordan Myers. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-M-Y-E-R-S. There you can support me on a monthly uh, basis and receive rewards for your donations as well. My Patreon supporters are the direct reason why this show is able to continue happening. You can also um, support it in non-monetary ways by sharing the show on social media or um, specifically Twitter, which is uh, where I operate. You can rate it on Apple Podcasts so that more people find the show. You can like this video on YouTube or subscribe via RSS feed or on YouTube. You can discuss it on your own show and drive up traffic to it that way. Or you can contact me um, and connect me with recommended guests or topics to cover. You can contact me at Plato's Cave Podcast at gmail.com, no apostrophes in that, or on Twitter at Jordan underscore C underscore Myers. And as always, thank you so much for listening or watching and continue struggling to escape the cave. Thanks. Plato's Cave is produced by Muckraker Media. You can find out more at muckrakermedia.org.